This is On and Off Your Mat podcast episode 20, Teen Mindfulness Circle. My name is Erica and I'm your host. For this episode, I sat down with Mark Stefanski and three teens, Adrienne, Sophie, and Olivia. Mark is a certified instructor for the Mindful School program, a high school biology teacher, and a coordinator of this Teen Mindfulness Circle. The program is based on activities developed by Mindful Schools, which are pioneers in youth mindfulness education. The circle is co-led by teens that are experienced in mindfulness instruction. And today you'll hear Sophie starting and closing our discussion with a short meditation. So if you're not driving, sit comfortably, close your eyes, and experience her guidance. I met with Mark and six teens once a week throughout fall at the Open Eye Studio in San Rafael. Together we did mindful movements and mindful meditations, and we learned to connect to our breath. I offered tools to connect and live with our emotions and reduce our stress. I was amazed by their self-awareness, their presence, and their openness. They truly inspired me and gave me hope for our future. So as you take a listen, I'm sure you'll feel the same way. Couple more things though before we get started. We have another semester starting in March, so if you or a teen you know might be interested in joining us, I'll give more details at the end of the show and in the show notes. Also, I want to remind you of my workshop, Roll, Release and Relax, coming up on February 9th. At the moment of the recording, there's still a handful of spots left, so if you'd like to join me for the deepest relaxation you've ever experienced, use the promo code PODCAST15 to save 15% when you register online at sukayoga.com. And you'll also find links for registration in the show note. As always, I really appreciate your support. So as you leave a review on iTunes or on your iPhone podcast app, you automatically enter a giveaway. This year, Athleta is continuing to support this podcast in their effort to ignite a community of strong women who lift each other up and is giving out a $75 shop card. You can get more details on that too at the end of the show. Okay, here we go. All right, so if everyone can settle in a little bit and feel your feet flat on the floor, your hands rested gently on your legs, and you can just listen for the fading sound of the singing bowl to invite you to let your eyes close, focus softly on one part of the room. Letting that sound of the bell invite us to settle in with our minds and our bodies into this space, bringing with us whatever was going on before. You can notice the nature of your thoughts leading up to this moment, whether they were fast-paced or more natural, whatever you're bringing in your body as well. Just knowing that whatever you have to give right now in this moment, that that's enough. Just reminding yourself that there's nowhere else to be and nothing else to do but to be here right now. So I invite you to begin to use your breath, the most basic of our biological functions, as a sort of anchor to this moment. You don't have to try to change or alter your breathing in any way. Just by focusing on this constant rhythm that's going on, you can begin to settle in more deeply to your body. 
Noticing what it feels like as air comes in through your nose, goes down your throat, filling your lungs, and then back out through your nose. Feeling the gentle rise and fall of your chest and stomach with each inhale and exhale. And just using that as a way to be here now. If you become distracted with a thought about the day or sensation in your body, you can just return to this and remind yourself what it is we're doing. As you inhale, you can say, I'm breathing in. And as you exhale, you can say, I'm breathing out. As simple as that. I invite you to return to the sensation, the touch of your body on your seat and your feet flat on the floor. Maybe bringing some movement into your toes, wiggling them a little bit, feeling that ground beneath you, sturdy and constant. Beginning to bring your attention back to what it feels like to be sitting here in this room. And when you're ready, you can listen for the fading sound of the bell to invite you to gently open your eyes again. Thank you. This was Sophie. She led us through short meditation in each of our session here at the Teen Mindfulness Circle. And we're also joined by two other teens and the organizer. Guys, would you just say hi and say your name? I'm Adrian. I'm Sophie. I'm Olivia. And I'm Mark, the organizer. <laughs> Mark, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Why did you start this group and what was your original goal? Sure. Well, as I like to tell people, I've been teaching high school biology since the Paleozoic a long time, 33 years. And I feel very fortunate because I found a career that gives me a lot of meaning and fulfillment. I really enjoy working with teens. They keep me real, they keep me authentic, and they help keep me feeling young at heart. And in parallel with that, uh, about 17 years ago, I started to develop my own personal mindfulness practice. And I feel, again, very fortunate because here in the Bay Area, there are some really tremendous resources and fantastic teachers that have helped to guide me. Um, right here in Marin County, there's Spirit Rock, and I've been learning from folks like Jack Cornfield, Sylvia Borstein, Wes Nisker, Linda Graham. And about a dozen years ago, I, um, I started attending a weekly mindfulness meditation group led by Rick Hansen, who is just fabulous and has become an important mentor for me. And over the years, um, I felt like, well, uh, mindfulness has helped me to uh, feel more present, present in my relationships. It's helped me to manage my emotions better, especially in relation to other folks. It's helped me to become uh, a better husband, a better teacher, a better human being. And so um, I started to think, well, 
how could I possibly share these skills, these mindfulness skills with the teens that I teach? And I was able to find a, a wonderful organization, again, located here in the Bay Area, Mindful Schools, uh, that's now internationally known, a pioneer in youth mindfulness education. And they offer a wonderful credential program for folks like me who want to pick up the skills mm -hmm. to share uh, mindfulness with youth. And so about three and a half years ago, I earned a credential through Mindful Schools and I work for a, a, a wonderful independent high school here in San Rafael Marin Academy where I've been able to help integrate mindfulness education into the school, into our human development program, uh, into our outdoor education program, uh, even into our athletic program. And one thing that I um, realized early on is that uh, to be an effective mindfulness educator, in addition to being a mindful human being myself, is to um, collaborate with um, teens who have their own personal practice, who could co-facilitate the exercises and lessons with me. And again, very fortunate in that uh, I was able to identify and recruit uh, some teens who were developing their personal practice. And it was obvious um, that um, we were most effective when we co-facilitated a lesson uh, for other teens. So um, what I thought then um, about two years ago is how could I expand this even further and beyond my school offer mindfulness to even a more diverse group of students, including students from local public schools. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure that I incorporated the uh, team co-facilitation model. And uh, you just heard Sophie lead a wonderful grounding exercise. So I feel extremely fortunate to have been able to collaborate with her, uh, develop activities and exercises that I think uh, really give, give teens um, huge benefits in terms of their own personal growth and development. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, what's the definition of mindfulness you're working with, just so we're all on the same page? Sure. So it grows out of um, a long tradition in secular mindfulness that was started by John Kabat-Zinn way back in uh, the 1970s, mm -hmm. early 1980s. And uh, the definition that, that we use is a modification of that. Uh, it's based largely, again, on uh, an educator, Amy Saltzman, a, a wonderful teacher, who, um, to paraphrase her definition, mindfulness is paying attention in the moment with kindness and curiosity so we can choose our behavior. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, last piece of it is, uh, is helpful and important because it gives a functional definition of why would we bother to do this? Mm -hmm. In any moment, we can be less reactive, take a pause, and be more responsive according to uh, what we really would want to do according to our internal values and, and perspectives. Yeah, that sounds great. You organize the sessions around community norms. You guys, would you like to read some of the norms you came up with that felt important for you? So the first one is replace judgment with curiosity. Mm -hmm. And we have confidentiality, compassion, and courage. Uh, be honest with yourself and others. Um, we like to say, keep it real, yo. <laughs> mm -hmm. Don't assume, ask, and accept. Mm -hmm. Be here. Respect. Mm -hmm. um, and the last one is be nice to my friend. Um, what does that mean? Yeah, that one kind of means like, I think people have a habit of putting themselves down 
and saying demeaning things to themselves, mm-hmm. even if they don't realize it. Um, and be nice to my friend is kind of a challenge to uh, look at yourself like a like you're talking to your friend and not say things to yourself that you wouldn't say to a friend. Um, and it's also a challenge to the people around you to point that out and say, you know, hey, don't put her down. I really like her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are beautiful intentions as a group or norms. But talking about intentions, was there an important reason why you decided to join this mindfulness circle? Was there a goal, something you were looking for? Yeah, um, well, I had been to a couple mindfulness retreats before um, in Casadero with an organization called IBME, and I found a lot of uh, help from that. And on the second one I went to, I met Mark, and uh, he lived in my same area and you know I I really wanted to continue my practice and I was definitely worried about you know not having the resources I needed in the place where I lived when Mark started this program I was really excited um, because it felt like a a way to really solidify my practice Mm -hmm. so I had um, no prior experience with mindfulness um, before high school and when I was a freshman I went to the mindfulness club we have at school at Mern Academy and so that was the first time I experienced mindfulness in specific. I had done meditation before. Uh, so there I met Sophie, who led the first meditation, and, um, and Mark. And, and that semester, the first semester of my freshman year, uh, Mark started this group. Um, and I've been doing it ever since. And I'm a sophomore year. Um, I'm a sophomore now. Mm, awesome. And I lead that group. I came to MA... Um, as well, having kind of a little bit of experience, I had gone to a, a summer camp called Tools for Peace, which is designed to have like inner city kids from um, like the Bay Area and then like Southern California, like Los Angeles area, um, come to uh, this small like uh, <laughs> this small place called Tehachapi and um, for a week in the summer and learn about mindfulness and the immense benefits it can have for teenagers. And so that had definitely been something that had been expressed to me, not just as a practice that existed, but as something that was for teenagers and had the, all of these incredible benefits. And I think I went and I definitely enjoyed it. And I went back a second year, um, but I never really took it home with me. It was something that I went to do during the summers. Um, and then I came to MA and it was, I live in, over in Oakland and I uh, started commuting over and the combination of the commute and like adjusting to that as well as adjusting to high school and a fairly rigorous high school mm-hmm. um, really made me uh, fall under a lot of stress and I wasn't handling that in the best way. I was losing a lot of sleep and I developed some pretty unhealthy habits. And uh, so a friend and I were ch- like telling each other about that we both had done this thing and saying like, oh, Mark does that too. And mm-hmm. it was mindfulness meditation. And so I decided to start a club at school, which was pretty casual at first. And I was pretty nervous reading some meditations off paper. And it's kind of really blossomed into this bigger thing, not only at school, but we go to local elementary and middle schools, which I love doing. And now we have this circle, which is such a resource for me, even as a leader of it. I think I've never not gotten just as much out of it as the participants and yeah, I love coming. That's great. So we were six um, student in the circle, or you guys were six in the circle, but today we're only three. So I thought we would read the intentions that we each wrote anonymously in the beginning. So you don't have your intention, you have someone else's papers, but we don't know what it is. So we'll just go around and read 
what you were looking for, what you were hoping, one of you anyway, um, <laughs> at the beginning. So anyone like to start? Go ahead. Okay, so I want to regain control in my life or at least the confidence of my mind to be at peace when I am not in control. I want discipline and belief in myself. Uh, I want to develop a relationship with myself that does not require validation from others. I want to learn to treat each individual with the same compassion and curiosity and to know that people are where they, are not where they come from. Mm. This one says, I wish for myself greater self-acceptance so that I can love and accept myself completely no matter what. Along with this, I wish for myself greater compassion both for myself and for others. Mm-hmm. I love to come here because I feel like I am valued here. I have so much to say, but this is one of my only safe spaces. There's no other group I'm involved in that values my strengths, such as self-reflection. I hope to learn more and reinforce my practice. This place serves as a reminder for who I am. I want to be more present and less in my head. I want to feel calm. I want to slow down so I can observe the stories I tell myself. I want to use logic and intuition before emotions. I hope to set more time for myself and to treat myself better. Organizing and planning things as a result of the circle, giving more joy and spreading more love and kindness to others. I hope to have more passion, compassion, intellectual gratitude, peace, smiles, laughs, discomfort, fortitude, uh, have my own words, my own practice, and a wealth of balance. I hope to become a more loving person in all of my relationships at homes and with friends. I hope to get stability and community of support from the circle and the people in it. I hope to continue on my journey towards loving and accepting myself completely. Those are pretty amazing intentions. So how has your definition or your experience of mindfulness changed between the time you first started and today? Well, mine now is more... Um, observing myself so it sort of connects to the be nice to my friend mm -hmm. uh, community norm I, I always see it as observing my actions myself and sort of separating from myself separating from everyday life uh, Mark likes to say human doing uh, that we are forced to be human doings instead of human beings mm. um, so I use mindfulness mainly to look at myself from outside um Like, it, it could be from someone else's perspective, or um, I use it as a way to almost give advice to myself. Mm -hmm. How has your experience of mindfulness changed between the first time you did it and today? Uh, yeah, I think initially what I thought was, you know, it's meditation, you call, you're calm, and you don't think about anything, and your mind's totally blank, and that's totally not true. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not what it's about at all. Um, but I've found that I think my practice has gotten stronger, but... I've realized that what's more important is the way I use it in everyday life rather than the way it's structured mm. uh, every day. You know, when I'm at work, when I'm doing homework, when I'm speaking to other people especially, that's when I find the most use for mindfulness rather than, like, meditating for 15 minutes. Great. Yeah, going off of both of those comments, mm -hmm. Mark... We're just quoting Mark this whole time. <laughs> Mark always says that um, repeated moments of mindfulness tend to, come, tend to become automatic and continuous. And I like to think that about myself and um, remind myself in moments uh, to be doing things that make me feel good. 
Mark, could you say the definition one more time of mindfulness? Sure. The one that we use is paying attention in the moment with kindness and curiosity so we can choose our behavior. So what's the hardest part of that definition for you to apply? I think choosing my behavior. Mm-hmm. I agree with that one. <laughs> for me, I think sometimes it's kindness and curiosity. Those seem like incredibly worthy goals that I think often I'm able to um, outwardly express. But um, that actually, that piece actually comes from like flipping it to the positive, uh, the version that we adapted it from said like without judgment. And I think that I tend to fall, like my um, default can often be judgment toward myself when I'm questioning these emotions and the things I do. I don't, um, I, I'd like my, yeah, automatic response to these to be more curiosity and with a little more kindness. Mm -hmm. I think we could all benefit from that. Something I'd like to add to this and something that I've learned from the teens in uh, the Mindful Schools curriculum, which we use as sort of like a foundation mm -hmm. for uh, what we do here, um, which, by the way, is really helpful because it is intended to be a foundation and to be malleable and flexible and um, for us to um, modify in a way that is, is uh, useful mm -hmm. and meaningful to the teens. Well, one of the things I learned from you, Sophie, is that um, the heartfulness piece, the kindness and curiosity piece, which speaks to um, compassion, self-compassion, gratitude. Um, in, in most curricula written for teens, it's put toward the end. Mm. And um, what, what Sophie suggested is to flip it. And let's start with that. Let's start with gratitude, something that people can really get in touch with. Um, and um, that helps set the stage for the rest of the practices. And so even though it might be difficult for some people to begin there, I think opens our hearts. Um, so in addition to steadying our minds, which is one of the things I think mindfulness does, mm -hmm. stabilize our nervous systems, it opens our hearts and um, allows us to be more genuine, um, mm -hmm. putting ourselves out in the world. So do you guys think that you need kindness and compassion before you're able to actually change your behaviors or even observe the behaviors? Does it come, is it cause consequence or are they on two different paths? Hmm. <laughs> well, question. I think beginning to challenge myself in a way that has ever, like the only way I've ever been able to challenge myself that's had productive, uh, that's been productive is when I come at it from an area of compassion of like, Even if it's as simple as I don't like how I'm feeling and I don't want to feel this way, that's a compassionate, that's a compassionate goal. Like mm -hmm. I don't want myself to suffer this way anymore. Um, I want this to change. So I think it can be simple, but for me at least, it always has to have some element of that. Yeah, I think as far as changing behavior, I always go by uh, something called feel, think, act. Uh, so the first thing you do is is you know as it implies, feel, see how you're feeling. Um, then you start to think about it. And the last step is to act on it. And that's where changing your behavior comes in. Mm -hmm. And is that fairly doable? Do you find yeah. that it's super challenging or? It, it can be, yeah, depending on the situation, it can be very challenging, uh, especially heat of the moment. But um, mm -hmm. if you give yourself time, it's, it's doable. Yeah. It can be a long process, but I think doable. that's a key part for sure, slowing yeah. it down. 
Yeah, I also know that um, this, and a lot of people I think can maybe relate to this, but if someone um, is angry at me for doing something or if someone wants me to do something and approaches me with it with being upset with me or being um, you know mean or angry, I'm a lot less likely to do it even if there are consequences to not doing it. And so I think that can also apply internally where if I am upset with myself for not acting in a way that I want mm. or act or feeling a way that I want, then it's harder for me to change it and I feel defeated instead of motivated. But with I, when I approach that with kindness and curiosity, as you said, uh, I feel like it's easier and I'm more forgiving to myself mm-hmm. and I'm more likely to be able to change. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Can I add something as an adult in the room? Well, the emerging <laughs> adult anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, that this is a journey, I think, for all of us. Mm-hmm. Certainly it is for, for, for me. Um, and uh, a mantra that I, I use, which comes right out of this practice, is to replace judgment with curiosity, just mm-hmm. like uh, Sophie said. And that um, is something I try and apply in a classroom as a teacher um, in terms of how I interact and, and respect my students, obviously in any relationship that I, that I have with my wife, with my friends, um, with people that I meet on the street. And it's a helpful reminder about what can be really um, constructive mm-hmm. um, and help me move forward in my life rather than escalate um, tension or conflict. Sure. Have you guys seen an impact on school and the pressure that comes with it? I definitely am. Um, I notice a difference on the weeks that we have these sessions. Um, I have my own practice, but it's not the same as having a community that creates that sort of accountability and stability. Mm -hmm. Um, But I definitely notice it when it's kind of a solid thing in my life. I notice it when it's gone as well. Um, And I think it's funny because my mom's, my mom and my teachers have both reminded me on occasions when I do kind of freak out or have a moment where I really just lose control of um, my thoughts and my stress. And they'll say to me, like, what about that mindfulness stuff you're all about? Like, where's that? Where's that? Um, they like to say that. And they're usually right. So um, I take it. I take it for what it's worth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I for sure notice it. Um, in a, in a school setting, I, like if I'm taking a test, mm-hmm. I, that's when I probably use it the most is to, to place myself. Um, and I mean, just when I'm doing homework, sometimes, you know, if I'm really stressed out, I'll take a second to even just like five minutes of, you know, calming. I think it, I think it does help in my school setting for mm-hmm. sure. How about your relationships with family and friends? Do you see a difference there? Or are you able to use mindfulness there? Um, I definitely think to use it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a great step. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, there were questions about school before. These are, like, these two topics feel completely just, like, separate for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I I feel many opportunities with family and any relationships to use it way more than school because school is just so structured for me. Um... I don't know, I feel like I just have to go through the motions, get it done. It, it comes in there, too, but with with my family, it's it's very pertinent. And, uh, I think it's uh, it, it becomes way harder to use. Um, but the good thing is incorporating this practice, doing all these things I'm doing, you know, my involvement with mindfulness, 
it definitely comes into my head to use it, but with family, I feel like is when I'm in like the most, you know, the highest state of stress and Mm -hmm. especially in a disagreement. A lot of times I don't end up, but you know, the ultimate goal is to be able to do that uh, more often. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sophie brought this up in one of our meetings one time. Um, just the idea, just like a thing to think about is when someone's talking to listen to every single word they say individually and it's kind of trippy, but it's really interesting because once you start to pay attention to every single word someone says and just fully invest your focus and concentration in your communication with this one person, you realize how much you might be missing in other parts mm. of your life. So I've really made an effort to just, when I'm talking to one person and when I'm, you know, I want to show that I care about them, I just, I listen to every single word they say. And it's, it's really meaningful, I think, in my connections with other people. Mm-hmm. It makes you more present. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Was there a mindfulness exercise or a meditation practice that we did the semester or the semester before that kind of stuck with you? Do you have a favorite one or one you continue to do? Uh, my favorite is within the, the kindness one. It has to do with someone you're in disagreement with. So we, we think about and wish well for someone, like a friend or family uh, and then someone neutral, which is really interesting, mm-hmm. but then someone we're, we're at conflict with. And uh, I think that one's super important uh, because people we're at conflict with or in any conflict is when you're evil, your dark side sort of comes out. Uh, and you can that's when you can start to do things you regret. Um, so I feel like that's the most important, my favorite one, because it's super hard. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm doing it while I'm not with the person. I'm not reacting to them. Um, I'm doing it, you know, sitting in a room. Everyone's quiet, you know, and they're all doing it on their own. And uh, that I feel like is has the most, uh, the biggest effect on my life and how I react to people mm. when the time does come. I think uh, one favorite that I don't I I did a lot for a while, but I haven't been doing as much has um, a constant for me has been. Funny enough, change, um, the change meditation that I've adapted from the curriculum I learned, which was stop, breathe, and think. Um, and it's just about the constant cycle of change that's always going on all around us. And mm-hmm. um, it may seem overwhelming at first when you approach it, but in fact, to me, I found it very comforting that I can rely on this uh constant state of change and I think it helps me approach emotions in an interesting way not just unpleasant emotions because that would be more of a relieving thing of like this won't last forever but even moments when I'm really enjoying it it makes me kind of savor it and not like hold on too much to it um so that I'm not present in the moments that follow but just to be present because I know that from each moment to the next it'll be changing mm-hmm. I'd like to add that one of the um things that I really enjoy about this program are the contributions that you make, um, Erica. So people ought to know that um, this group is co-facilitated not just by me and Sophie, but you're a huge contributor to this. And as a person who is an experienced yoga instructor and uh, mindful body movement instructor, I've really benefited over time from exercises, for example, of having us feel emotions in our body, um, which I think is a, a huge, huge benefit mm-hmm. to being able to then manage those emotions because we can become more responsive once we realize we're getting angry, tense, sad, excited, 
whatever it might be that uh, that we're feeling. So um, I think that's a huge component to um, what we do here, dropping out of our busy minds into the sensations of our body. And uh, I want to acknowledge you as somebody who has been hugely helpful in um, moving us forward in that way. Mm, thank you. We have another semester coming up in the winter slash spring. What would you say if you'd like to convince a friend to join? So I was just thinking about this while you were speaking. <laughs> um, I, I was thinking I wanted an opportunity to speak about this um, because Perfect. this has been something really frustrating for me. Uh, like I said, what's our capacity? We can have... Uh, eight participants yeah. so we can have three or four more people join so you know we have six people and we're just struggling to have people to join really um and i know a few of us really put some effort into getting some more people out but there's just this idea about mindfulness uh and at school too not people not coming to the club um but what people don't understand is like let's say there's 10 minutes of uh you know a, a lead session People don't feel like, you know, an excuse would be, oh, I can't focus. Well, it's a battle against yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a fight. It's an internal battle. Um, and so what I, you know, try to explain to people, they'd probably get bored by now. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure they're loving it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to come here. And if you can get 30 seconds where you're present, and like Mark, Mark says, it's gradual. Mm-hmm. The next time you come, you're going to get a minute where you're present and, and focused with your breath or whatever your anchor is. But I, I think it's a very ironic excuse when people say, It's hard. I, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I can't focus because that's where you're coming for. I can't do it the whole time. I haven't heard of anyone that can. I mean, I'm sure there are people, but uh, that's the whole point of coming mm-hmm. uh, is, to, is to fight that battle and to be able to fight it outside too. It's the same idea in yoga. A lot of people will say, I can't do yoga, I'm not flexible. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's kind of the point. It's like saying, I can't eat, I'm too hungry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely sympathize with the idea that it's hard to get people to come. I mean, especially, you know, for kids our age, it's hard to convince people that meditation is cooler than vaping. And like, <laughs> like what else could you be spending your, you know, 45 hour, 45 minutes hour with? Um, but I think it's, it's about communicating with people who are open to it. If you see kind of an opening in a person, you know, I have a lot of friends who are very self-aware and I think those are the people who might be like the most open to it. So I kind of, I've approached a couple friends and for one reason or another, a lot of them couldn't make it, but, but I've, the response I've gotten is like, Oh, that sounds really interesting. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I just, you just have to be, you know, persistent and just, I, I, I guess I would say like, Oh, it's, you know, it's helped me through this. It's given me, you know, all these tools you know how cool and great I am. Don't you want to be like me? <laughs> Obviously, that won't work for everyone. <laughs> but work for some. Yeah. So I would like to keep moving forward and diversifying this group. Yes, expanding it. Um, one of the um, criteria for, for establishing this group is that um, it would um, have a sliding scale. So um, money wouldn't be a barrier uh, for people to join. 
and I'm happy to, to say that that actually has worked, mm -hmm. that we do have uh, a wide variety of folks according to uh, socioeconomic means. Again, I would love to attract more people from public schools that, uh, that surround here to diversify the group uh, in that kind of way. Um, so yeah, the more the merrier. Um, we do have capacity to invite more students. And I want to acknowledge it really has to come from the students themselves. You know, uh, from the very beginning, I knew that if I were to first approach, let's say, parents, uh, it's not going to work so well because mm -hmm. um, it's really the teens themselves who are the best um, ambassadors for why this would work and why it's so beneficial. Mm -hmm. And you guys are pretty cool, so <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Sophie, would you like to close this for us? I'd love to, yeah. So once again, just finding your feet on the floor and your hands and rested. Listening for the fading sound of that bell to invite you to let your eyes close. Bringing it all back to yourself, all of the things you've heard and said, thought and shared today, and just beginning to develop some gratitude for yourself, for being here. Whatever it is that you brought today, however you're showing up, knowing that exactly that, that's completely enough. And just wishing yourself well. So you can repeat to yourself in your head these words. I'm a worthy human being. May I be healthy and strong. May I be peaceful and joyful. May I be compassionate both to myself and to others. And may my life unfold with ease. solidifying this message in your mind and in your heart. I am a worthy human being. May I be healthy and strong. May I be peaceful and joyful. May I be compassionate both to myself and to others. And may my life unfold with ease. Now you can let all of your thoughts, images, and feelings float away like a cloud floating away in the sky, and you can just let your mind rest for a moment. And then once again, you can begin to bring your attention back to this room, to this space we're in, listening for the fading sound of that bell to invite you to open your eyes back up.
Thanks again for joining me today, guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Our 2019 lineup of guests is incredible, so if you're not already subscribed, now's the time. That way you won't miss anything. If there's any subject you'd like us to tackle or anybody you're dying to learn from, let me know. I would love to hear from you and create those episodes. You can email me at erica.belanger at gmail.com or you can DM me on Instagram and we'll talk. The winter semester for the Teen Mindfulness Circle will start on March 5th and run through May 7th, minus two weeks in April. We'll meet Tuesdays from 5.15 to 6.45 p.m. at the Open Eye Studio in San Rafael again, thanks to the support of Taryn Slayer. The eight sessions cost between $100 and $400, so we use a sliding scale, and we will not turn away people for lack of funds. If you have any questions or you'd like to register, you can visit markstefanski.net, or you can call Mark directly at 415-454-0297. If you want more info about our guests of today, the circle, the program, or if you want to join me for the role release and relax workshop, or if you'd like to know how to leave a review to enter our giveaway, check out the show notes or go to my website, ericabelanger.com slash blog dash podcast. And don't forget to use the promo code podcast 15 if you want to save 15% on your registration for the workshop. The winner of the giveaway will be announced on social media and on the next episode. Once again, thank you for joining in and until next time.